Hello, Canucks fans. Hello, hockey fans. And welcome to Game Over Vancouver. I am your host, Clay Emo, Canuck Clay, right here on YouTube. We are going to be talking about a 5-2 Canucks win that propels the team to a 6-2-1 record. Still second place in the Pacific Division. And I'm thrilled. Uh, there's a couple reasons why, a few reasons why I'm thrilled to have my guest on tonight. Please tell, say hello to For Canucks Army, Mr. Lachlan Irvin. Welcome, Lachlan. Thanks for having me, Clay. I think I've been I think I've been on with uh, all three of you now. Am I the first person who's been on with all three of the all three of the hosts so far? That's a great point because I know you've been on with Sam at least a couple times. So you've been on with Kaya as well. Yes, a couple times. Well, well, I guess now it's tricky because we added Parker as a fourth. So now right. he's the next one you have to join. But Lachlan, I'm so thrilled that you are here. Before we talk about the game, before we talk about how we met, which I would love to tell that story, I want you to tell everyone what you do and who you write for and what you're doing there. Yeah, so uh, I'm a hi. I'm Lachlan. I'm a writer for Canucks Army. Uh, I do the uh, I do a bunch of like uh, videos and clips and stories, obviously on CanucksArmy.com. Uh, I also I'm a backup writer for the the Stanchies, and uh, that's pretty much what I do these days. That's awesome. So yes, very prominent at Canucks Army, doing a lot of the writing there and the Stanchies, everything. That that's that's awesome stuff, man. And uh, okay, we'll get into the game, but I got to tell a story. I, I sent out a tweet. I'm not sure if it's the most perfectly worded tweet but i got excited that you're you're with me tonight because we met almost five years ago four and a half years ago january 2019 at the all-star game not in vancouver not anywhere close well in san jose of all places and on the day that i met you during the first intermission of the all-star game that's the same night that i met elias Pettersson, who had a hat trick today so maybe we were meant to be together tonight. Uh, what do you remember about January 2019? Not about meeting me, but about that experience at the San Jose All-Star Game. Well, I remember thinking it was a much simpler time and that, you know, there was uh, there was no pandemics to yeah. worry about, I think, at yeah. that point. Uh, so that was nice. Um, but yeah. mostly what I remember about that, that All-Star Game and everything was just... Uh, uh, obviously, it was Elias Pettersson's rookie year. It was yep. his. Uh, it was his. Seeing him in the All Star game for the first time was pretty darn cool. Uh, it, that that whole All Star game was a really interesting experience, especially because that happened to be my last year uh, in uh, in uh, Northern California, where I was living at the time. Uh, uh. Before I ended up moving out here to Vancouver to cover the Canucks, which is uh, what I've been always wanted to do since I was uh, since I graduated high school. So uh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And look, look at us both now, Lachlan. We're both covering the Canucks in different ways. Back then, five years ago, we were both still good looking at the time. And look at us <laughs> now. Yes. <laughs> well, GLC yeah, it's really, I've, I've really gone downhill for sure. So I, uh, that was my peak years. <laughs> well, well, if anyone's seen the picture on Twitter, you guys can decide for yourselves. All right. We got so much to break down. Everyone, welcome to Game Over Vancouver. It's actually only one of two games on the NHL slate tonight. Again, the Canucks win 5-2. to two. They bring the record up to 6-2-1. to one. So this is what Lachlan and I are going to do on this show. We're going to talk about the game for the first segment. For the second segment, we're going to expand on Elias Pettersson's hot start to the season and what that could mean for his next contract, God forbid. Uh, no, that's an exciting thing. And then a third segment, as always, we save your questions until that final segment for our SDPN presser. So it's going to be a very quick 40 to 45 minutes. And before we get going, I invite all of you to uh, subscribe to this SDPN channel, Steve Dangle Podcast Network. Subscribe to this YouTube channel, hit the notifi notification bell so you get notified of all of our shows, not just Game Over Vancouver, but we cover all seven Canadian markets and like the video while you're here. And Lachlan, one more time, where can people follow you on social? 
Uh, you can find me on all social media pretty much at Lock in the Crease, uh, right. L-A-C-H in the Crease. And then, uh, yeah, at Canucks Army as well. Perfect, perfect. So let's get going. Before we break down the individual plays and players, what were your impressions of this game overall? I mean, overall, it was it was one of those games where, you know, the Canucks didn't necessarily play their like the best game of their of their season by any yeah. stretch, but they still won. And that's been in a way that's almost been a pressing issue for the Canucks over the last few years is yeah. you could really tell the difference between this team, this year's version of the team in previous years based on just how they're able to gut out wins and not necessarily on the back of say Thatcher Demko playing fantastic hockey, which is what it has definitely taken in recent years. Um, now it's a case where this team can have a bit of an off night or a wobbly game and they can still uh, find the offense to score, to win, to score the outscore their problems. They can mm -hmm. find the defensive effort to kind of hold down the fort. It's overall, you're just seeing all it's like night and day yeah. from what you've seen in years past. Like I think last year's team probably doesn't win that game, but tonight they do because they're a different team now. I love your adjective of wobbly. And I'm not talking about the, the bad chair that I'm on. That first 10 minutes was a little rough. I don't think yeah. either team could clear the puck from their own zone properly that was that was kind of strange it, it just felt off both teams yeah that both teams were coming into it looking like a little bit rusty almost like uh they had been out having too much halloween fun Wall uh the night before <laughs> yeah and then there i mean even in other parts of that game as well there was a lot of stretches where suddenly you were just watching two teams kind of just go back and forth and there was just not as much defensive like it wasn't it wasn't crazy good defense going on at, at certain times for either team yeah. uh but you were getting some good goaltending when you had to from uh Demko and uh Kevin Lankinen for that matter yeah. who had a pretty good night himself uh overall they and then they they and they they shut them down when they had to like yeah. that was the important part so that's a great point and eric's asking where are our costumes we are dressed up as two good-looking canucks fans so uh that's <laughs> that that is our costume tonight well at least it's my I, <laughs> I do have a goofy hat i do have a goofy hat that i wore earlier today that's sitting next to me i could put that on if people let's, take a look. let's try it let's, let's take a look oh man that's gotta be like this so uh, this is it Here oh it that's is. not bad actually yeah, it's not it's not terrible. It's yeah. not terrible. It's not super professional. But okay, maybe maybe we just show it then. What do you, you do? What you want. Show okay. it, but we'll see if, if enough. If people are nice, you know what? If people are nice in the chat, maybe yeah. at the end, I'll give for, them the treat for the third know, segment. We'll I love it. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll build up to that. So Sam Lafferty scores uh, basically off his head because uh, Quinn Hughes uh, does his wonderful walking the line move, puts the buck in and 14 minutes in first goal of the game. And yes, uh, the Canucks are up one nothing. Uh, what can you say about Hughes and even Lafferty for that for that matter? this season watching Quinn Hughes develop the confidence to start shooting the puck more and yeah. not always deferring off to the forwards on the ice has been a legitimate revelation for him. Yeah. Like, just, like the, like I've seen some people talk about just the fact that getting the C has, has somehow given him like a double boost in confidence <laughs> where he's, where suddenly now he's taking shots and opportunities that he never would have before. Yeah. Uh, and like, he's creating so much like offense just off of that, that confidence and that willingness to be the, the guy who takes the shot. Sure. Uh, and with, and with like Lafferty is a, 
is an interesting case of like he's a guy who come who comes in not necessarily having the whole training camp to work with the group mm-hmm. and everything, but he does bring yeah he brings a big speed element to yeah. that bottom six that has been something that I've been really harping on for with the Canucks for years has sure. been. Just I want to see them play faster, especially yeah. like in a division with Connor McDavid and and a lot of younger teams like Vegas and Calgary at the time as well. Little uh, There were so many teams in this division that their whole game was they were just so much faster than the Canucks and able to win so many more puck races and being able to just yeah just win so many more like 50 50 pucks Mm -hmm. at the end of the day and that's what was killing vancouver in a lot of games and seeing them add that element through guys like lafferty through guys like mckayev when he's at a hundred percent that has been huge for them great points and let's talk about the two nashville goals and then we'll go back to that fool fooldy see what i did there that that penalty shot um so Sizens and Fabro score 30 seconds apart, both almost similar. Well, it uncharacteristic uh, giveaway by Quinn Hughes on the first Nashville goal. And then that, that group gets pinned in. And then right after that, they win the, the face off after the goal. And then the, the JT Miller line gets pinned in their, in their, uh, their own end for 20 seconds. Both goals. I don't think Demko looked great. Both goals. He was sliding to his right. You're a goaltender Lachlan. So tell me what you saw on each of those goals. On each of those goals, um, I'm going to have to like, I'm just looking at the case of like, um, you know, they were getting traffic to the net. Yeah. Nashville is getting a lot more traffic to the net. They were, and you know, Demko's, Demko's a goaltender who thrives off of being able to have like clean rebounds and being able to, uh, you yeah. know, just not, and not let guys sweep out the second and the third opportunities. Sure. And, you know, sometimes you get those clean shots that just beat them sometimes. Yeah. You, yeah. It's not like it's and it was just that quick succession as well for him that it was a little bit like wobbly in times for sure. Wobbly is the word of the night. I'm using that one a lot. I got to I got to stop referring to that one. That's a crutch word. I got to get rid of that. Apparently, It's fine. It's better than um or ah. I like wobbly. Yes. Oh, that one's been a problem, too, for sure. (laughs) So the first one, Yossi comes in, kind of goes around and uh, Demko gets caught sliding to the right a little bit. And then apparently both McCabe and Petey maybe could have done a better job of tying up Sisson's stick, gets it in there. And the Faber one, a point shot, which you rarely see beat Demko. But Demko, it's weird. It wasn't even, he was like he was kind of misaligned to the net almost. He was kind of like on the right side of it. And all Faber had to do was shoot straight. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. Demko is a goaltender who, yeah, you're right. He very rarely yeah. is out of position off a straight shot like that. He, yeah. You, and that's, and that's the sign of a great goaltender too, is the ability to not, is to, is the is the ability to not be out of position very often but right. sometimes it just you just get lost in your net and it happens sure. to every goaltender you're going to have you're going to have off nights yeah. and even tonight I wouldn't necessarily even call that an off night for Thatcher he, yeah. he still came out with the win he still yes. stopped 27 shots yes yes like, yes it wasn't even it was it was it really it was just about like a minute and a half yeah. that where everything kind of went to crap for him and then the rest of the game he's like okay i'm not doing that again and then uh, yeah. that was it and that was it yeah, he, he, game had, over. he had 30 seconds of wobbliness what can we do what can we do yeah that, that was that was really all he that was yeah that was it for him once he yeah. once he battened down the hatches yeah that was that was it nashville wasn't going to do anything else you know if we ever made a band lachlan that's what we should call ourselves 30 seconds of wobbliness doesn't sound like a good band name <laughs> Like the the wobbles, it's like the wiggles, yes. but somehow just like just like a knockoff a knockoff brand of the of the wiggles. Exactly. The wobbles. 
160 people in here. That is awesome. Lachlan, I thank you. Why don't you like the video? You guys know how much I like that 50% quota. So there's 160 of you in here. There should be at least 75 or 80 likes. Uh, you know what I liked? I like it when the posing penalty shot guy falls before he takes a shot. Um, your goaltender, has that ever happened to you? Either in a breakaway or a penalty shot or a shootout, the guy just falls before he even shoots on you? I can't say it has uh, often, especially because, you know, I think at at uh, earlier levels of hockey, you don't get a lot of uh, penalty shot calls, right. particularly because usually guys aren't fast enough to necessarily right. get two strides ahead of everybody. If anything, sure. the puck is just rolling three feet in front of everyone and they're chasing. Right. Sure. Um, I can't say I can't say I've had that happen to me before. Yeah. Um, but I guess like I from I mean, obviously, when as a as a shooter, I'm not I've never I've never taken a penalty shot myself, but uh, I can imagine in those moments, all you want is to just somebody to uh, like just to find you a door, a quick door out, a quick exit out of the building because yeah. you're just imagine you're if you, just like imagine if you just got up and just ripped one past Demko. Like. <laughs> that would have been that might have been a, a bit of a heartbreaker for yeah. a goal for yeah. the for Demko for sure. But uh, I mean, I remember the Devin Sotoguchi one years ago. Yes. Where he just completely fell. So Carey Price just skated out, took the puck, and that was game over kind of thing. <laughs> I think that was in a shootout. Um, I guess I, I do wonder if that's like, is that an ice thing? Is it? Yeah. Did he just straight up toe pick yeah. by complete chance? Was the ice a little weird? Yeah, I, people in the chat, yeah, people in the chat were saying that the ice might have been bad because, uh, yeah, obviously that's there, a professional hockey player who usually doesn't yeah. do that. Yeah. There, there has been, I have heard a few like stories about how, you know, players don't always love the Rogers arena ice that it's not but like necessarily in the, like the best ice in the NHL. So right. there have been like complaints about that here and there. So that sure. might be, that might be one of those cases where home ice advantage, uh, help yeah. the Canucks out a little bit. Yeah, that's why Miller always goes around the side. You never go straight up the middle, maybe on a, on a penalty oh. shot. <laughs> oh, that is my, so I love that penalty shot as a fan, as a goaltender, I would be so mad if, if I had to deal with that oh. I, I i was actually uh i was interning on the halford and bruff show yeah. a few weeks ago and we were talking about the uh the uh, uh the kuznetsov penalty yes. shot on yep. uh, jacob markstrom yeah and i talked about how the miller shot to me is so much more infuriating because uh -huh. he comes in, because when you come in from that side light that side angle like that you're not only it's not no longer is it a case where you're squaring up to the shooter to the puck anymore yeah. you now have to cover your post Sure. And then try to figure out which way it goes, because if you even cheat off that post a little bit, he'll just throw it in between you and the post. Gotcha. But more often than not, what he'll do is he'll tuck it around you and yep. make you look really silly. So it's like it, it's so hard to it's yeah. so hard to stop that shot unless sure. you can maybe get the poke check. Right. So for you, the wide approach is even more aggravating than the 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 slow down, slow motion one. Is that that's oh. what you're saying? Yeah. Oh yeah, because on the the straightaway slowdown, all you kind of have to do is be really careful about your speed and really right. minding how far, how quickly you're going back into your goal. Because yeah. like with Markstrom's case, because Kuznetsov was slowing down, and I was yeah. talking to Greg Balak about this, is it was like because Kuznetsov was slowing down the closer he got to the net, the the uh, Markstrom wasn't necessarily matching that right. that speed. So suddenly there's a bunch more net for because that's stuff to shoot at and it's really just about you have to be so careful about just hold, holding your ground holding firm on your ground and making right. him try and deke around you 
Yeah. Well, I would say that I'll keep that in mind the next time I'm in net for a penalty shot, but I've never been in net or nor have I ever taken a penalty shot. So anyway, speaking of penalties, JT Miller takes a double minor. However, uh, Nashville takes a a minor at the end of the uh, first period. So just 53 seconds in the second period, four and four, Elias Pedersen scores his first of the game just by basically coming down Main Street and Lankening, I think, got it with his blocker, didn't he, uh, Lachlan? And then, but it still stuck by him. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that it's the you know, Petter. Oh God, Pedersen has been so good. Like yeah. the this season has just been incredible for him. He's like he's getting he's getting that one timer that one timer shot off on the power play that like finally like because you always knew it was gonna go in for him. You'd sure. have like the. Like it would just kept he just kept hitting the post or something. It would just yeah. be like an inch too far yes. off to the side. So seeing him getting the getting it and, and nailing it every single yeah. time, more or less, is incredible. It, it's awesome. It's such a it's such a like a clean shot oh, too. Yes. Like he he never duffs it. Like it's always it's always a perfect a perfectly timed yeah. like just a clean sweep when you see the slow mo on it yes. and everything. Great point and the flex and the stick and then. And then Miller takes another penalty, his, technically his third minor, even though two instances. And then he doesn't get put out on an ensuing power play. Hironik comes out instead. And Hironik is the one who sets up uh, with Kuzmenko PD for a second of the game. Another great shot, again, to Lankinen's blocker side. So I don't know, I don't know, as a goalie, Lachlan, are they scouting Lankinen or is that just PD shooting there because that's the far side? What are you thinking? I think it's just Petey shooting for what he knows. I think, I don't think, I think with, especially when you're playing like Kevin Lankinen, who's not necessarily like a goaltender, you're going to have a crazy amount of film on. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you're, I I think it's, and when you have a shooter who's as like naturally gifted as Petey is, I don't think you're focusing too much on, okay, who's the goalie in net. I think you're real. I think you're just straight up going for, this is, you score on every goalie this way. <laughs> this is this is a good shot that ain't, no goaltender is going to have an easy time with. So let's yeah. not let's not over overthink this. Let's yes. just let you do your thing. Great point. Uh, yeah, great point. So JT Miller, don't worry, everyone. He sees the ice in the third period. He wasn't benched for the entire game. Sees the ice, uh, and again, I think this was another four and four. Yes, it was because it was a very quick uh, Hoglander, and then and then uh, Philip Forsberg interference penalty. And then Miller, uh, did, Besser t- takes a shot. It kind of startles Lankinen a little bit, and Miller kind of jams at it, and both him and Lankinen kind of push it in over the goal line together. So that was a a, a nice little, uh, not too greasy, but greasy enough goal. Yeah, that's and that's and that's the kind of goal that the Canucks have also kind of struggled to get in other years. Yeah. Is- that ability to kind of get the jam at the, the jam in front of the net play. There was a lot of cases where those were just getting swallowed up very quickly. Yeah. So, uh, and especially for like the star player to see us like a star player on the team, like Miller, like jamming for the rebound. Like that's mm-hmm. what you want from those guys. And I mean, for Miller, it was a case of like, he had some personal redemption t- to <laughs> earn. Cause uh, after the benching and everything going back yeah. out there, scoring the goal, yeah. like uh, I think uh, Arash Mamarzade called that goal too, which is pretty cool. That is uh, funny. Yeah, because I mean, yeah, that's uh, that's the the JT Miller way a little bit. Yep. It's like you get him a little angry, and then you wish you, you either you wish you hadn't if you're on the opposing team, or yeah. uh, you're glad you did after uh, if you're Rick Tockett. And just imagine, Lachlan, if somehow Nashville won this game, then the story would be about JT Miller, how he imploded, about the you know the benching, da da. da but thankfully for us, at least it went it went the other way. Then before we get to Petey's actual hat trick goal. He almost had a chance uh, when the aforementioned Hoglander exits the penalty box. Quinn Hughes sees 
Hoglander crossing Petey. Hoglander's going to the bench, and then Hughes just pushes the puck up there, and neither of them get it because they're crossed up a little bit. That must be a little. Fr- you could see even Petey whip his head back because he knew that was a perfect chance to get his hat trick. Yeah, you can, it's the it's almost the like when you know when you're on the sidewalk and two people are walking at you're walking towards somebody else yeah and you're both like oh I guess I'm gonna go to this side no I'm gonna yes. go to this side and you do this sh- kind of yeah and you do the little shuffle you're like uh uh and it's the most awkward thing in the world that's Always. what that was yes. that was the hockey version of that where like it passes right be- between the two guys and you're they're yeah. both like are you getting that no no I'll get it and then it's too late <laughs> it's and, gone past. and it's so funny man I play roller hockey and I don't play it well there's a reason why uh, you know I yeah let's put it that way. But I know I'm like the Hoglander in that situation where as soon as I get out of the penalty box, I probably don't even know what's happening to play. I'm just looking at my bench and I just know that my job is to get there as fast as I can. And then, of course, you have a skilled like guy like Petey just waiting for the puck. But alas, he gets his hat trick goal. I was surprised to hear, Lachlan, that's only his second career hat trick. That, did that surprise you? That, or That surprised me a little bit too, yeah. for sure. I mean, he's not like, he's had a couple like, not I wouldn't say even like necessarily tough years he's just had like some bad luck when it comes to the scoring things like there's a lot of games that you could probably go back through the film like we talked a little bit about how many times he was like hit he would like get a good shot away and hit the post or just it just would not go in for him sure um like you could probably the amount of games you could probably go back and find those where he probably could have had like three or four just uh if something if uh he had had some better luck is probably pretty high yeah but yeah that is a it is kind of shocking that he has that he only has two hat tricks it is it's hard to get a hat trick in this league that's true that's true i was at a i was at a game where like tomas hurdle had a hat trick and that was like his first one in like eight years or something yeah it was like it ins- and it was like insane i remember when he scored the first one the first and what a big deal it was because he did the little like between the leg shot <laughs> so yeah like though it, it does it takes it takes some time apparently to get those hat tricks every now unless you're like austin matthews yeah apparently. yeah yeah that's a good point no that's a great point and that's so you know, five of the top six uh, had points. Besser, Miller, PD, of course, Mikheyev, and Kuzmenko. But we'd be remiss to, to to mention that Lafferty had his goal and a very quiet two assists for Anthony Beauvillier, which is nice to see. Because I yeah, I saw a comment that the top six came to play tonight, and I, I would agree with that. They, I think the top six was, no, sorry, the bottom six was noticeable as well, uh, along with the top six. Yeah, Beauvillier has obviously had a bit of a rough start to the year, but yeah. I mean, part of that is doing like, you know, the case of just, hey, there's a lot more wingers and there's a lot more like <laughs> good players who could be in your top six all of a sudden that were not necessarily there before. Yeah. Um, and like, but, and, you know, I think that is, I always kind of assume that Beauvillier was going to end up falling into that like third, fourth line kind of guy. Um, so to see him like, getting points now and getting kind of some, some bounces back onto the, uh, the assists totals and everything. That's good for him. Like he needs yeah. that more than anybody on the team. Cause it's not like he's necessarily looked bad per se. He just hasn't been, he just clearly wasn't like, you know, the same player that was playing with Elias Pettersson at the beginning of when they uh, acquired him from New York uh, right. last year. That's a great point. And it's interesting, Lachlan. I don't know. You saw yesterday, they actually put Bavile back with Garland and Suter on the third line they had Stanika in playing with Lafferty and Hogland in fourth line, and they sat Joshua. But I guess that was just for a look because uh, today they went back to sitting Stanika and and then Joshua back on the third line, and then and Bovili on the fourth. So maybe Talkit just wants to keep his keep his options open. By the way, Canucks uh, win the special teams battle. They go one for three on the power play. 
They kill off all four Nashville penalties. They, the shots were basically even. Canucks dominate the faceoff circle. They had more hits. Blocks were even. So it was, certainly wasn't a dominant performance. Not as dominating as even though you know as the as the game last week against Nashville. But um, aside from the rocky start, it didn't seem to too much of a, a scary game, at least not from my standpoint. I don't know how you felt as the game went on. Yeah, no, they looked in control, which yeah. is, again, like it's the 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 amount of times last year that the Canucks would, I could say the Canucks comfortably dictated the, the pace of play in a game. Yep. I could probably count on one or two hands. <laughs> like there was not much. It was not often. There was a lot of games, a lot of wins they had where it was just hanging on for dear life and hoping this year there have been already probably close to the amount of games that there were in all of last year where they have looked very much like okay this is the tempo we're setting to play tonight and you're gonna have as the opponent you're gonna have to match us and that was and that's been the case in lots of points this year like they're playing full 60 minute games now even with like kinds of like off areas here and there but you can like you can forgive that as opposed to say you know like whole games where it'd be like hey can you even get 20 minutes out of them now it's the case where if they if they stumble they'll be they'll still be okay. You know, they'll kind of come back with a better effort uh, the next on the next like shift or the next period, whatever, what have you. So it's a big change for them. Yes. Uh, Well said. Well said, Lachlan. So let's, uh, yes, let's move on from the game recap then. Again, with the Canucks win, they moved to six, two and one. LA won tonight too, beating Toronto. So the Canucks stay one point up on LA for second place in the mighty Pacific division. For this next segment, uh, Lachlan, we were going to talk about goaltending and we we're going to talk about Casey DeSmith and how well he's he solidified the backup spot behind Demko. And that's all well and good. But then we saw what PD did today. And I think uh, I think we should talk about Pedersen for a little bit. Uh, what, because I haven't talked to you in a, in a few months, walk me back. When you heard those comments in the summer about this interview that, that just released last month about him, Elliot Friedman, basically saying not committed yet to, to signing long-term with Vancouver. Uh, what was your first reaction? Were you up in arms like many fans or were you like, no, this, this makes sense. This is a smart guy. Who's not going to commit to anything just yet. What were your thoughts when you heard it? I honestly, I saw it coming. Like I, <laughs> I knew, I knew that was what the answer was going to be because especially, you know, it's like for him, I would, I think especially coming off of the last two years in particular, which have been, you know, such a circus from, yeah. When, with all the stuff going on off the ice, a lot of losses piling up, uh, just you know, drama at every turn. I, I would have, I would have thought you'd be silly to kind of just go, yeah, of course I'm going to stay here, no questions asked, right? Especially yeah. as a star player of Elias Pettersson's caliber, like you should want to play somewhere that you think is going to get you a championship, especially if you're, if especially if the team is not necessarily like, uh putting out a lot of like language about say, Oh, it is the biggest concern of our lives to sign you kind of thing. Right. <laughs> Cause like for me, obviously I, I look back on, you know, when he was in RFA the first time around uh, under Jim Benning and think like, man, they should have just gone. Okay. Petey, here's a blank check, write whatever number you want <laughs> on there and we'll give it to you. Like that, that's the way they should have gone about it at the time. Obviously, ifs and buts kind of thing now yeah, yeah. but uh yeah as, as far as that that whole conversation with pd is concerned it's like yeah i i fully expect him to go and play to his full potential and try and 
secure as big a contract as he can. I honestly think he's, I think he's going to, I don't think there's any number he could get to that would be an overpay for how good he is and how good we know he is. Yeah. Especially you look at him in sole possession of second overall in league scoring only behind Jack Hughes uh, with nine goals, five assists, sorry, excuse me, five goals, 11 assists, 16 points in only nine games. You know, I don't think he's going to keep up 1.78 points per game for the season, but uh, it looks, yeah, it looks like he's, yeah, he's on pace to, to break 102 for sure. So do we dare even, we already, we already know about his value to the team. We're going to, we can talk about numbers in a second. It's kind of neat how both him and Quinn Hughes, who we've, who we kind of said have been the two kind of cornerstones of this franchise, um, lumping them together for, for this topic, uh, just one particular point. It seems like they finally have some supporting cast as well with the, with the Millers and the Bessers and the Demkos and the Heronics even doing their part. This team seems more complete now. It's not just one of those two. It's, it's not just a, a two-man show, I guess, is my point. Yeah, I mean, yeah, outside of Hughes, Petey, and Demko for the last little while, like obviously Miller had some yeah. pretty good games here and there. Brock yeah. has had some good games here and there. But like, yeah, outside of those guys, you weren't getting a lot of contribution. Like defensively, I mean, the amount of goals the Canucks are already getting from their defensemen compared to <laughs> even last year. Like what was the, how many goals I think they had last year? Was it something like five? Yeah. It was not many. It yeah. was not a lot of goals from anyone outside of Quinn Hughes. Yep. Uh, and now they've got, I mean, Carson Soucy scored in the last game Myers uh, is two yeah Myers is two I think Ian Cole has one yeah. um like yeah you're already getting more contribution from the defensive side of things and scoring uh Philip Horonic has obviously been a really good fit with uh Hughes as well I always I like I felt right from like training camp that that was like I think they should that that's the direction you should go is right. putting even if it does kind of leave you like in the well, it, it clearly it hasn't affected them really. But like it, if if the thought process is, well, we don't want to put Heronic and Hughes on the same line because it would make the bottom four look more vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's still the case you should go because you're better off having your best two defensemen putting who clearly complement each other very oh. well and their talent like and their skills very well. Yeah. You'd be better off having them be as good as humanly possible and worrying about fixing the other the other two pairs as you go right and that's been huge for quinn that's been huge for that whole defensive group and then um, obviously like friedman coming in as well yep like fix that because i mean there was a lot of complaints obviously about noah Juleson in the early going which was which was fair. I thought it sometimes was a little mean, but it was like, <laughs> I was like, it was like, yeah, you're right. He's probably not an NHL defenseman. Yeah. He probably should not be here. Um, but it was always a case of like, well, he's just a stopgap anyway. You're not, it's not like they had planned on going into sure. playing all, having him play all 82. Right. right um right. And with the with the forward group, yeah, like uh, we haven't obviously seen really any much of Teddy Bluger, obviously with the injury and everything. But uh, like Pew Suter is a guy who I really wanted the Canucks to pick up like last year. And actually, even going back to 2021, I had him as like a guy that I like. I think you can even find the tweet going back to that where I was like, the Canucks should go after Pew Suter. He looks great. He's a great like bottom six center that you could use as a defense like defensively to really help you yeah. and he's been great he's been he's been awesome he's been everything they want except maybe just they just want to see him get a few more pucks in the net or at least a sure. few more points here and there yeah. but yeah like Mikheyev, uh same thing like you're getting a lot of good speed from him because Manko's obviously been great seeing Nils Hoaglander play at the level yeah. he can is fantastic especially because I think he'd be I think he's exactly the type of player 
that would like exceed under like Rick Tockett. Yep. Like it's just a matter of does Rick Tockett know that and like <laughs> getting him and playing him enough because he would be. I think he's a perfect complement for that group. And sure. yeah, like Lafferty and Garland as well. Like uh, you're seeing contributions all over the ice that just weren't there before. Sure. All right, Lachlan, let's go back two summers. PD and Hughes they sign contracts. Hughes goes six years. PD only goes three years because, quite frankly, they didn't have enough money to sign both guys long term. Um, at least they did, they weren't sure, or maybe PD was the one fighting for only a short term. Who knows? So we now know that PD's contract he he still's got one more year as a restricted free agent, and then that's why you don't want to sign him just for one or two years. You want to go at least four or five. I know Austin Matthews has been doing these four or five year ones. You can go as max as eight. I'm not going to put you on the spot, but do you, do you think? Do you think it's the Canucks' intention? Well, I think it should be. But do you think it's Elise Pettersson's intention to ride this year out and then still potentially sign a max term eight-year contract or even a, a six or seven-year as opposed to a three, four, or five? I hope so. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would. I hope so. I think it. I think it's so. Even even now, I'm not entirely sure where he's going to go on that front because I think so much of it hinges on what does he think this team is capable of? Yeah. And yeah. right now, like, Hey, everything, it seems like they're capable of some pretty good stuff, but <laughs> you know, it's still pretty early. There's, there's a lot of hockey left to be played. Yeah. Um. So, you know, things can change on that front. And I think if you're, I think if you're, I think if you're Petey, you're not gonna, you know, it's also comes down to things like, well, you know, just because the team is good doesn't mean I'm going to sign for like, say eight for like a million dollars for a couple years. Like it's <laughs> still gotta, you still gotta back up the Brinks truck for yeah. him. Yeah. So it's a matter of, okay, how much cap do you leave? Are you going to have a leave available to make sure you can get it done? And again, it's a case of, I think if you can make a compelling enough, I uh, pitch to him, yeah. you should be able to get him on a max deal on a near max deal. Right. It's just a matter of, can you make that pitch successfully? Right. And yeah, I think other than that, I think, you know, I think it is, po I mean, yeah, it's probably possible that you might see something closer to like the four or five, but again, right. you know, it's so, it hinges so much on the actual on ice results. Yes. And you know, what's funny uh, before his breakout season last year, even though he, he was, always been good but you're right he's had a, a you know one one down season and another one not so great so they're talking about oh maybe eight maybe nine million nine and a half then he hits 102 points you're like okay maybe it's gonna be 10 10 now now you see what he's doing i could easily see him getting 11 and a half can you imagine like i don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that we see an eight year 100 million dollar contract like that's a little high 12 and a half but i could see him getting somewhere between 11 and a half and 12 and a half if he keeps this up i really do I mean, listen, it's a, like, I, there were a couple of years, like what, back when the first contract came up, one of my kind of like hotter takes at that time was that I think, I think that the Patterson's camp, I thought that Patterson's camp could make an easy argument yeah. that he deserved more to make more money than Connor McDavid, wow. not because he's necessarily, but not because he's necessarily better, yeah. but because his value and his importance to the Canucks was at the time more in had was so much more crucial than McDavid's was because McDavid had dry sidle and yes. he had, he had a guaranteed number two guy to pass the puck to and Pedersen at that time didn't really have that. Yep. So it was a case of, he's like, listen, I'm the team. I can give me as much as I want. And I think now, I think at this point, like if he keeps up the way he's going right now, it really will come down to, uh, if, as, as long as provided the Canucks 
understand how much value he mm-hmm. is, he has, it, it really will come down to okay, he's gonna get as much as he wants. Yeah. It does he so does he want to be here? That's yes. go, that's really what it's gonna come down to if he keeps going at this level it's not going to be much of a negotiation as it is just a like is this the place i can win a stanley cup because i can get the same amount of money probably from any other team i want even if i am an rfa like the ball's entirely in his court yeah that's a great point and this is gonna be obviously uh they've tried to snuff it out they say you know we just want to focus on the season but as as we get closer and closer to to the playoff time and to the end of the season it's going to be the biggest story to, to for us for us Canucks fans to track, for sure. Lachlan, this has been awesome. We got about five or uh, five or seven minutes left, so I just posted in the chat. Now it's time for the SDPN Game Over Presser. Get your questions in. We'll answer a couple. Um, I think uh, I think Fangirl was waiting for me to press that because uh, already she gets a question in. Says, "What do you think when you hear Alvin is actively working the phones to make a trade reward his players? What could they be looking for?" Yeah, I guess that quote came out today from Dolly uh, from Dollywall, right? Something about looking to reward his players, kind of like uh, who who made a trade recently? It was it was a uh, was it the NBA one or the NFL one? I can't remember what he's. Oh yeah, there was the the James Harden. Yes, there was the James Harden trade that went down. I think last night. Yes, uh, where he went to the Clippers. Um, you know, like in my personal experience, that's usually when they say they're looking to reward the team. I think a couple people had the same thought I did. That usually means like a either like a pizza party or like the Scholastic Book Fair. Scholastic uh, the, book. Like those are the two, those are the two things. Like when you want people to get excited, you give them a good deal on like goosebumps or uh, Geronimo Stilton, right? Uh, Or posters. (laughs) Um, But, but in all seriousness, um, I do think, you know, I think it's a little, I do think they're maybe jumping the gun a little bit in terms of it's only been nine games, like six, two and one is great, but uh, I don't, I don't think necessarily now is the time to be going. All right all our let's throw let's throw all our picks and prospects away for a win now piece i think that is a bit of a a bit of an an overshoot if that's what they're going for yeah um i i think right now i think if they are going to make a trade it would be something like you know moving out connor garland who's already obviously you know there's already been talk of trying to get a deal something done to uh send him elsewhere but give him a better shot on another team yeah if they want to do something like that that's one thing but yeah as far as like going and uh dumping all your cap your like draft picks and prospects out for you know a defense like a big name defenseman or a big fish forward now is not it's not yet the time wait until february and march like when there's a trade when the trade deadline looms to kind of do something like that i don't know how you feel on that front but that's that's where i am no, I, I, yeah, I think, um, I think Patrick Ovin is always looking to improve the team, and we've seen how much. Not just small; t- he's made some big, big changes. The buyout of OEL, and and he's just the way he, he's remade the 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 blue line, right? It's only Ma- Hughes and and Myers from before we got here, and he's remade our bottom six. So I do think he's always looking to improve our team. But I agree with you. I, I'm not sure if there's anything imminent, aside from maybe uh, an Ethan Bear sighting a month from now. But we shall see okay a couple more questions scott says oh a very quick one a quick one for you um what could studnika bring in the lineup that joshua doesn't if he indeed replaces him for a game or two i honestly don't know i think studnika's <laughs> looked pretty like well like because i honestly think joshua's looked so good i, yeah. I think joshua is a perfect fit for that fourth line that i almost don't i i i almost 
uh, hesitate to even hook him out of the lineup for the the his ability to throw hits right. and to uh, and his ability to kind of play like a more like physical kind of game, but still having a lot of offensive talent as well. Studnika it looked really good in the preseason, and they were putting him in a lot of positions to try and like like succeed like there was the power play like he was getting power play time mm-hmm. and like i think he i think he got some pk time as well during the preseason as well so mm-hmm. it seemed like they were gearing up to give him a pretty big role but i think i think right now i think studnik at the very least is a good fill-in option and just in terms of if you want a little bit more of like say like a speed option or even yeah. although i would like not that he's necessarily particularly fast he's just a little faster than joshua sure. just uh and uh if you're just looking to go with like a maybe like a like a like a little bit of a smaller lineup kind of thing gotcha gotcha if there's a uh, any video issues that's not lachlan's fault that's my computer probably saying we're almost done but that's okay uh two more Who's the most underrated player on the Canucks right now, you think? Most underrated player on the Canucks right now? I mean, Nils Hoaglander is always a a pick for me. I mean, I always, I love what he brings to the table every single game. I love his ability to get under people's skin. He is such, like, he's so fun to watch. And just like uh, in the, the game against New York, the amount of times he was creating offensive opportunities out of nothing mm-hmm. was even, and just not getting rewarded for it was like numerous like there were so many times that he was making things happen even if it just wasn't necessarily translating into points yeah so yeah like i i think he's up there pew Suter, i think is another is another would be the other one for me as well just I, again i love both those guys i think they're i think they're such good pickup like well like Suter's a good pickup for the canucks this year and i think he's got i think he's got more points to give than he's gotten so had so far and uh, Huglander is another guy that I just I think I think it's only a matter of time before he ends up in the top six uh, yeah. at some point again. Yeah, he's, he's gonna put. Yeah, he's gonna knock on the door for that that top six spot for sure, and that's that's where he can probably best succeed. Finally, we got a question from David. Um, the question is, who, which of the Canadian teams, now that Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal are at the top of the top ten, which Canadian team has the best chance to win a Stanley Cup in twenty twenty four? The best chance to win. I mean, I Jesus, that's putting me in a very tough <laughs> spot where I'm like, oh, do I really make everyone mad and say Toronto, or do yeah. I do the home th- the the home Homer thing and go for the Canucks? I mean, I think the Canucks at the very least, at least right now, are a team that doesn't seem to let a lot shake them. Right. And they don't. They're not. Again, like years past, they would kind of fold under pressure a little bit. Yeah. Uh, whereas now you're not really seeing that, like they're not out of a game, even if they're losing They're they're, they're finding a lot more ways to win when the chips are down or like when the going gets tough. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, Vancouver's probably the, the option. I, you can't count out Edmonton, obviously with yeah. McDavid and dry saddle, even if they haven't looked particularly good. But I mean, the Canucks beat them twice, so uh, I don't know. They might be the team. They might be the team to beat uh, in Canada now. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Vancouver for sure. We'll know we'll know by the end of November when they when they play uh, Toronto, Montreal, and Ottawa. And finally, last question for sure. It's a redo. I, I it was a two part question that I somehow forgot to read the second part. The question was the most underrated player in the NHL that you want the Canucks to have. So I don't know if, you, if there's someone like you have a favorite player on another team. Um, I, I I don't know if he's underrated. I love Kyle Connor's game in in Winnipeg. I 
and I don't know if I don't think we can make it fit salary cap wise, but I just whenever I see him play, I think man, this guy's dangerous every time he touches the puck. So I don't know if he's underrated, but that's a guy who I really like is Kyle Connor. That's actually, you know what? Like, I wasn't, I wasn't sure because obviously that's kind of a question that I'm like, oh, I really wish I had time to research yeah. the yeah. league a little bit more totally. to think because there's not one that like immediately clicks to mind. But then you said Kyle Connor from who plays on the Jets, yeah, and I immediately thought of Nikolai Ehlers, of course, a guy that I always like. I always wish they had they had drafted Nikolai Ehlers when they yeah. had the opportunity to. Yeah, um, I I think he's I think he would be a, a a really interesting fit on on the Canucks as well. I think he'd be. I think he'd be. It's hard, obviously, now with like the team actually has some decent forward depth now yeah. to the point where that might be a little bit more difficult to pull off. Yeah, but true. I do like. I did. I did always really like Nikolai Ehlers as a yeah. as a potential option there. I wish I had time to to research that one because there's yeah. some other ones up there. Oh, you know what? You know who else? And I wish they had gotten him when there he was available. John Marino, defenseman yes. for the true. the Devils. Right shot. I right? really like. Yeah, right yeah, shot defenseman. Yeah. Yeah. I really like what John Marino brings to the Devils, and he and he and he got better when he got to New Jersey too. Like he was already really good in Pittsburgh, and now. Yeah he's hit another level already in New Jersey. So I really like John Marino. As well. Awesome. You really like John Marino, Lachlan. I really like having you on game over Vancouver. <laughs> so thank you so much. Um, actually it was Sam who was supposed to host tonight, but she's getting ready for uh, some, some other family equipment. So I was happy to fill in, especially once I heard it was you. So Lachlan, one more time, where can everyone follow you and all your work? Yeah, so you can follow me on uh, on all social media platforms at Lock in the Crease, and you can find uh, all my writing work at uh, CanucksArmy.com. Uh, just uh, look, at, look for Lachlan Irvin. Awesome. Look for Lachlan Irvin at Canucks Army. Look for me, Canuck Clay, both here on YouTube and on Twitter. And most importantly, look for SDPN Game Over. Subscribe now to this channel, like the video, and hit the no notification bell. And we are so glad that you were here with us. Our next show is on Saturday. It's after the Vancouver Canucks host a Central Division powerhouse. No, sorry. It's what am I talking about? I have the next show. It's this Thursday. It's in San Jose. It's a late one. So if you're up around 10 o'clock, 10 15, you'll get stuck with me. I probably still have the same scratchy voice, but it's me hosting the next one as well, pulling uh, a back to back for myself. So on behalf of Lachlan, Lachlan, thanks again for joining me. On behalf of all of us here at SDPN, thanks for your support. And yeah, go to bed, be happy knowing that the Canucks have won another game. Take care, everyone, and have a great night. Good night.